never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. week's episode of the top five report the podcast that has just realized how many ridiculous amounts of television shows are about to land all at the same time and we don't have well enough time to watch them my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter hey man here i'm actually here this week so i know back from the dead um exactly (laughs) what's that i said COVID again i hear yeah, yeah, we we uh, we got a uh, yeah we we got a case of the vid at my house, but um, everybody recovered super fast, so that was uh, pretty awesome. So case <laughs> of the vid. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. So megaton of shows. We need to have maybe an off offline conversation about what we're gonna review and what we're not gonna review, because our watching and reading category could very well very vastly very quickly become the majority of our television. I mean, the majority of our uh, uh, podcast podcast. And the reason I say this is because, and I honestly, it wasn't even, I wasn't even, it just dawned on me yesterday. Don't take movies out of the equation just for a moment. We're about to get real quickly here. And I'm talking like a couple, we're a couple weeks out from house of the dragon dropping. Mm-hmm. She Hulk. Yeah. Andor, Cobra Kai, Lord of the Rings, and Willow. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that is insane. And it's all going to drop like, um, and Andor, Cobra Kai, and Lord of the Rings all drop in September. Um, with House of the Dragon and She-Hulk dropping like almost back to back from each other. And then Willow drops in November. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> this it's going to just be hard to keep up. So, um, and we're moving into Oscar push, so you're going to get the fall movies and then Oscar <laughs> movies, and you're just like, good lord. Yeah. So there's going to be a ton of stuff for us to talk about. This is a show that constantly will never run out of things to discuss. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. That being said, we have one massive news story tonight that is going to go into several other little stories, and um, we have other stories that need to be discussed. So we have a ton of news. Um, I, I do want to point out a couple things. First off, today is uh, August 4th, 2022. So we're only a couple days away from it. But July 31st, 2022, in fictional history, is the birth date of George Jetson. Um, oh, right. I saw this being shared around. <laughs> which I thought that was really interesting. And it made me look at our technology and go, we got a long way to go really fast <laughs> but we do so. <laughs> we do get to see each other's faces on a screen when talking to each other i mean back in the day that was like 
the dream that was like, oh, it'll be in the future. You'll be able to look at somebody's face when you talk it to them on the phone. And we right. all can do that. So, I mean, the future is now. <laughs> right. Well, the other thing that I wanted to point out is this got passed to me. It was a futurist <laughs> movie timeline. Um, it was literally like futuristic movies. There's a list of futuristic movies and the years that they took place. Yeah. Um, like Back to the Future, for example, 2001 Space Odyssey, Escape from New York, um, The Running Man, Rollerball, Blade Runner, that kind of thing. Um, we are in 2022 right now, which is the fictional year of Soylent Green. Interesting. The next one, but the next like <laughs> handful that we're about to roll up on, Children of Men 2027, uh, 12 Monkeys 2028, which is real scary, to be completely honest, because the amount of virus stuff we've had already. Um, yeah. <laughs> Demolition Man 2032 and V for Vendetta in 2038. Um that just rounds out the, uh, a small group because then we roll into Event Horizon, Minority Report, Total Recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a cool it's a cool list. Um, but anyway, let's we have so much to talk about. So what is what have you been watching while you've been sick? Yeah, um, probably not as much as I should have, but uh, I did watch a couple uh, new things. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is I watched this movie on Hulu that just came out called uh not okay. I don't know if you're familiar with this one at all, Drew. I I, I saw the trailer. So go okay. Ahead. So you probably know the basic the basic gist of the movie, but it's essentially about a uh, girl who kind of fakes a trip to uh, France. Like she fakes this trip to Paris, and she says it's this work retreat that she's going on, and she does it for like kind of online clout and and to uh impress a guy that she works with and stuff like that and uh everything kind of uh screws her over because this is definitely a spoiler but there's a terrorist attack in paris while she yeah. was supposedly there but she obviously was just at home in her apartment you know photoshopping pictures and stuff trying to make it look like she was in paris when she really wasn't and then she has to fake that she was they're at this ter terrorist attack and kind of has to fake like her reaction to it and stuff like that. And it's one of those things that it just gets blown out of proportion. And you watch this character have to keep the lie going. And it's like a really interesting little movie about um, kind of like if you want to live, like make your life a social media lie, like the repercussions that can come to come from that. And I thought the movie was a really it's a really enjoyable watch and it has one of those really cool sort of, and I'm not going to spoil anything more, but it has a really cool, one of those almost open-ended sort of indie movie sort of conclusions to the story where it's almost right. like, it kind of leaves you wondering like what happens next and kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that it ends and it makes you think how, I guess it makes you think about the uh, themes and the morals that the movie kind of uh subtly teaches which is pretty cool all in all my only complaint about the movie is that i do feel like they could have gone further with it like i think while she's portraying this lie the whole time i think they could have made her go to even darker places and stuff like that like i kind of wish they took the uh the nightcrawler approach like the movie nightcrawler with jake gyllenhaal and just made yeah. this character go to like super dark <laughs> places in order to keep this lie going but uh it's still definitely an entertaining watch so um i definitely say check it out if you uh have hulu so um yeah, yeah. 
Um, the other thing that I watched, um, did you watch The Gray Man? Oh, okay. <laughs> so we started watching The Gray Man. I started watching it with my wife. I thought it was awesome. I'm only like half an hour into it or something. For whatever right. reason, we had to turn it off. And after that, for some reason, my wife didn't want to watch it, <laughs> didn't want to watch it anymore. So I haven't finished The Gray Man, but I really look forward to it. From what I've seen, it is really just really cool and like just kind of a really engrossing, just cool action movie. Um, yeah, it, it, that's ultimately what it is. And my um, and if you listen to my show last week, my only criticism was I felt there was a lot of location jumping, like a little too much. That's yeah, honestly, yeah, I remember you mentioning that. But anyways, otherwise, go ahead. What else you watch? Oh, so I just have two other things that are really quick. Um, one is uh, kind of on a whim, but kind of something that I should have done a long time ago. I uh, started watching the Harley Quinn show on HBO Max, yeah. the animated series. So I just put this on last night, and I've only watched one episode, but okay, I absolutely love it. I think it's really <laughs> fun, and I'm like super excited to keep diving into this one. Uh, the biggest thing I'll say is like, yes, like the humor is great. Um, it's super gory and adult, which is kind of what I expected, but I didn't know it was going to be that gory. <laughs> so that's <laughs> definitely really fun. But the one thing, the biggest surprise, and this shouldn't have been a surprise because DC always does really good with their animation, but I thought the animation and just cinematography throughout the show I was really impressed with because I don't know why, but I was expecting more of a adult swim level sort of show where it was like kind of like along the lines of Archer or a show like that, where it's very like yeah. sitcom -y, like very 2D and characters kind of walking sideways across the screen. But like, no, this is still like the DC animation level you've come to expect where the fight scenes are great. Um, it's really cinema cinema cinematographic um there's mm -hmm. a lot of um you know it, it changes between close-ups and far away shots and really interesting angles so the animation and the cinematography i was honestly thought was awesome so that was kind of a pleasant surprise with the whole thing <laughs> nice yeah so the third season for harley <laughs> dropped uh the episode that released today i haven't watched yet but the rest of the show i have um, I, it's so good, man. And the new season is <laughs> oh, just listening, you know, it's one thing to like read the comics and then it's one thing to like, you know, you want the characters to use the bad language, but you know, because yeah. it's a book or it's an animated film or it's like a PG 13 movie, they can't. And then you get Kaylee Cuoco behind the voice and she's basically allowed to say whatever she wants. Like, I know she's following a script, but man, some of the stuff that comes out of Harley's mouth is just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. I, I do. I do really appreciate. I appreciate the uh, the foul language and dirty humor, too, and stuff. And I feel like I can see how they almost turn uh, Harley Quinn almost into this like Deadpool level character of like, of course, it's such a popular character because this show, I think it can really show it really shows how like enticingly mis mischievous her character is and like of course like you know every girl out there wants to be harley quinn because she's awesome and i think this show does a really good job pointing that out so um i'm like super enjoying that so far Good. um i only watched the one 
Yeah, like I said, I just started watching this last night, so I just <laughs> watched an episode before bed. I can't wait till you get. To, I can't wait till you get to like some of the other rogues gallery, like Bane, for example, because they. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Bane's ridiculous, in the most nice. ridiculous ways, and he's gonna. You're gonna. He's gonna make you laugh so hard. But they also the voice they use for Bane is like a mock of the Dark Knight Rises voice. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so it's. It's so good, man. What they did, what they were doing on that show is it's just gold. Um, awesome. At any rate, so there's only one thing on my watching and reading category. Okay. Um, I watched the docu series Light and Magic just dropped on Disney Plus. Um, yeah, I, I saw that that was on there, but uh, yeah, go on. This is mind blowing. There's a lot of stuff that I knew in the first like handful of episodes. There's a lot I knew. Because Industrial Light and Magic is the company that made Star Wars. They had to invent every piece of special effect tech to um, for those movies because they didn't exist. Like, hey, we want you, we want to do this. Well, we can't do that. Well, we got to figure out a way to do that. So they just invented everything, and that's why Star Wars is what it is, and pushed the yeah. way it did. So. A good chunk of it's like the making of Star Wars, but that's the first project. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so you're learning. So there's a lot of stuff I knew because I know about behind the scenes Star Wars stuff. But there is stuff. There's footage of George that we've never seen. There's footage of like behind the scenes Star Wars stuff we've never seen. There's footage of concept art and models and maquettes and all these things that we've never seen before in this docuseries, which is it's gorgeous to look at. Um, but where I'm at, they're now moving into other projects like the Indiana Jones films and E.T. and uh, Poltergeist. Like at the end of the movie Poltergeist, when the house implodes, um, mm -hmm. the big question was, how do we make a house implode? And everyone's like, well, <laughs> make it explode it, but do it backwards. And like, that's not like and just run the film backwards. Like, that's not the same thing, <laughs> you know, and then, they're yeah. like, you know, so but when they sh they showed you how they did it and you're just like, <gasps> like completely. <laughs> like it's it's just gorgeous it's completely capturing my imagination um that sounds awesome <laughs> so i totally totally recommend watching this i'd like to think i'm not even close to halfway done with it i'm probably over halfway and it's going to end and i'm going to be upset that it's over with um but if and i don't want to say it's a making of star wars it's a making of industrial light and magic as a company is the best way of describing yeah. it um, because this is the company that defines the way movies are today. Uh, you don't get and and the, the, what I didn't what blew my mind was they finished Star Wars Episode Four originally in '77, and George started asking questions about digital. So they started playing with digital tech while they were working on the movies. So they were already so in '78 they had started building digital tech for what would become Pixar. Mm -hmm. And and Photoshop, because what a lot of people don't realize is that Pixar and Photoshop were both developed and invented by guys from ILM. Mm -hmm. So it's just the document. The docu series is so good, so good. Nice. Um, two trailers. Let's talk about them real quick. Uh, Blonde. What do you think? I thought this looks. I thought it looks pretty good. Um, I've seen some complaints about um, Ana de Armas's uh, voice in this in this movie, but honestly, I think that. First of all, I think she's doing the best she can. I think it's one of those things that because we have the trailer and we're used to how she sounds and, 
yes, she doesn't sound exactly like Marilyn Monroe, but I think because I've watched this trailer, I'm kind of already used to how her voice sounds in this trailer. And I think when I watch the movie, that's not even going to be an issue for me. And um, what I'm kind of left with is kind of what I said about the teaser trailer is just this movie looks great, um, especially from like a cinematography um, and visual just sense in general. Like it looks awesome. It's one of those things that you watch it and you forget whether you're watching black and white or color images, because the trailer definitely goes back and forth between color and black and white. And you don't notice. And I think it's because from a filmmaking standpoint, to me, it looks like it's crafted that well, that you're not going to be noticing that. And I think that's really, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Drew? Well, despite the fan, the, I don't want to say fans, despite the criticism of her voice, <laughs> The Maryland's estate, I think, from what I understand, they had a hand in casting on a Diarmas and they back it and they're and they're defending her and the fact that right. no, this is what we wanted. This is she's it's what she's bringing to the character, the character to the role. Um, the movie just looks gripping in the best way. Like it looks like I I just can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. really, just the movie just looks phenomenal. I can't wait. Um, and that drops in September. So something else for us to like <laughs> add to the watch list. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then um, the Andor trailer. Yeah. Um, so this looks amazing. Like I was right. I was hooked with the first one, but this looks amazing. Um, I know there's a lot of weird Star Wars criticism going on right now, and I hear a lot of stuff like, you know, Star Wars is the most to toxic environment and all that stuff, like <laughs> fandoms, and that's been an ongoing problem. But I'm going to put it this way. I um, I really like Star Wars, period. I'm not a – I know I sometimes sound like a apologist for it, I feel like, sometimes, but at the end of the day, like, I just really like Star Wars. And as long as they're going to give me cool stories and something else I didn't know about or whatever, I'm down, man. Like, this just looks cool. You know, yeah. like, I liked Rogue One. I like what they're doing with this. Seeing some Star Wars espionage, I'm totally in. Um, And they can't contradict themselves because it's on the screen. I keep seeing these. I saw an article a couple weeks ago about... Um, <laughs> Finally, the plot hole in, in Return of the Jedi is covered. It was answered by Star Wars. And I'm like, what plot hole in Return of the Jedi? And what are you talking <laughs> about? So I like go through the article and they're talking about how and the article points out the scene at the end of Return of the Jedi where Darth Vader tells Luke, tell your sister you were right about me. That scene. And then the movie cuts to Luke going back seeing everybody and they're celebrating destroying the death star and Luke hugs his sister and then uh, high fives Han or whatever and sees the ghost and they go into the celebration. The article's calling the fact that Luke never had the conversation with oh his my sister. Oh my gosh. Hole <laughs> because the, whoever wrote this article, I'm sorry, but you don't understand off screen exposition. Of course he went back and told his sister, like, of course he got back and they're like, what happened? Tell me about my father. What happened with you two? What, ha what's going on up there? What? Of course he told her. Not an issue. So this this article was praising the Star Wars novel that came out that handled that conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 
this is what's bothering me about Star Wars fandom, and I could do a whole show on it, but it would literally just be me ranting, and I'd probably just anger a lot of people. So I, I just, to me, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's not just Star Wars. I think there's like a weird thing going on right now where like, if if they don't show everything on screen, people call it a plot hole and they get mad. And it is really frustrating because like, yeah, like sometimes things happen off screen and you have to fill in the gaps and that's okay. And like, it's one of those things when, when I watch a movie, I want to see the information that's needed, but I don't want to be bogged down with a bunch of extra scenes that aren't necessarily needed, but are just there so that there aren't any quote and quote plot holes, uh, end quote. Um, and that's kind of just like, I don't know. I get really frustrated with the whole concept because I've heard the same complaints about like the Snyder DC movies and, uh, just all sorts of things. And like, well, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy to me. Telling Leia or not telling Leia has nothing to do with the plot of that movie. Therefore it's not a plot hole. It'd be really nice to maybe see that conversation. Is it needed? Absolutely not. Luke got mm-hmm. back at everybody. Of course they asked him what happened because, you know, he asked what happened down here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're on Endor for we don't know how long. Uh, <laughs> essentially, essentially, you could argue that Kylo Ren was conceived on Endor. And there's, I believe there's actually a novel that talks about that. But at the end of the day, that's not needed. Of course, they had conversations and parties and what happened, you know, so. Yeah. Ultimately, I like Star Wars. Andor looks great. I can't wait to see it. You know, they got me. Like, well, you know, it's- <laughs> so I was going to say, yeah, like going back to the Andor trailer, um, this is a show that I think when it was announced, I wasn't necessarily super excited about it. But I think everything I keep seeing for the Andor show is kind of like a pleasant surprise because I think this looks really cool so far. Um, it's one of those things that I didn't I don't know that I thought I needed an Andor show, but after seeing this trailer, it kind of brought me back to how I felt when I was watching Rogue One. And I'm like, oh, no, this is kind of right in line with uh, the events of Rogue Rogue One. And this is actually getting me excited for this show and it looks a lot more intense and just a lot cooler than I ever would have thought it would be. And honestly, like so far, my only real complaint about it is just that I think some of the costumes look a little bit too earthly. Like some of the characters costumes look a little bit too close to what I could see on a random guy walking down the street. (laughs) But uh, otherwise, like I have, I honestly have no complaints so far. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah. It just, it's it's an issue of imagery and, you know, seeing the Empire at its fattest. The Empire looks like District 1 from uh, uh, Hunger Games right now. And it looks like the we need to topple the, we need to topple the tyrannical yeah. government. And I really like it. And, you know, I've never been a big Mon <laughs> fan. I always thought she was a really weird, useless character. But it looks like we're going to get to see a good chunk of Mon Mothma and what's going on in the Senate. And this yeah. is a time period where, like, the political strife is, like, crazy. This is going to – this might have, like, heavy politics. So this could be really, like, interesting – on that front. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm in. Let's see what happens. Nice. Um, all right. Tons of news. So let's talk. And one of them is one giant story. So I'm going to try and hit a couple of these quick hits real fast. All right. Um, the Flash, um, the television show on WCW, um, will end with the ninth season. Um, wow. So it's good. It'll this this upcoming ninth season will be the finale. Um 13 episode final season good for the flash good long run 
Um, so if you're if you're still watching the Arrowverse, that's the la- um, the Flash is coming to a close. But if you're still watching the Arrowverse, this is the last of them. Every Arrowverse show has been closed. This is the final go out. Right. Um, which could make the finale kind of cool. It makes me wonder if they'll bring back like something big for the finale. Yeah, that's actually a pretty <laughs> just flash cool thing to think about. Might get to see Supergirl again. We might get to see Owl again, you know. So there could be something big because it's the end of the Arrowverse. Um, all right. I'm going to try and some of these stories are so linked because there's so much all at once. Um. Moon Knight officially is getting a season two confirmed by Oscar Isaac and Mohamed Diab, if I said his name correctly. Um, They took to they announced this over TikTok. So awesome. We're getting a Moon Knight series because Moon Knight was up in the air very much. Oscar Isaac's like, no, I just wanted to do one season. (laughs) It was like Oscar Isaac didn't want to be a part of the MCU for some reason. And now all of a sudden, oh, no, I keep want to do I want to keep doing this. (laughs) So and maybe they just backed the dump truck of money up to his house. Who knows? And the biggest reason I say yes is because the first season was really good, but also we really only got a taste of the character, I feel like. I feel like there's so much more they could do with Moon Knight, and there's so much more of uh, just Moon Knight in his various suits that we need to see. Like, there's some more action scenes that I think everybody wants to see, so I'm really excited they're doing another season. Yep. Um, Weird. The Al Bank Yankovic Yeah. Will release on November 4th. So we got an actual release date now. Um, so okay. now I've got to figure out how to watch it because it's going to be on Roku channel. <laughs> so let's, I just got to figure out a way to watch it because I really want to see that. So we got a release date November 4th. Um, Marvel Studios Fantastic Four, the movie for phase six. You did get to see, like, in the midst of having to listen to my solo show last week. Yeah. You did get to take a look at some of the Marvel announcements, like the list of movies. Oh, and all yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Um, so Marvel Studios Fantastic Four will not be an origin story, they're saying. Um, Kevin Feige recently told THR that Fantastic Four won't be an origin story. A lot of people know its origin. A lot of people know the basics. How do we take that and do something they've never seen before? Okay. Oh, exactly. Okay. Let's see it. You know, <laughs> and in all sheer reality, think about how Spider-Man Homecoming wasn't an origin story. MCU covered Spider-Man's origin in, like, two lines of dialogue. Tony Stark yeah. said, how'd you get your powers? And he said, I don't know, I got bit by a spider. Yeah. End of discussion. <laughs> you know what I mean? We find Obviously, you'll find out that it's a radioactive spider, and if you know the comics, you know the thing, but he got bit by a spider, got powers, and went. They'll probably cover it in dialogue so we don't have to be bogged down. Maybe a, maybe a minute flashback, but ultimately the movie won't be... Yeah, that's that's like, what I was thinking. Like when you think about the first Fantastic Four film, they got their powers, didn't know what they were, explored, tried, used all that stuff. By the end of the movie, they're the Fantastic Four. That's yeah. what we're trying to avoid. They need to be the Fantastic exactly. Four at the beginning. You know. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe throw in a three minute flashback scene that explains it, but we don't really need to watch the first Fantastic Four movie again. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Speaking of Marvel, um, Secret Invasion will be a crossover event series. A little bit more than what we got from Comic-Con. Secret Invasion will be a crossover event series that showcases a a faction of shape-shifting scrolls 
who have been infiltrating Earth for years, the show will feature more familiar faces as well as plot points that intersect with the rest of the MCU. So here's what I'm going to say. That sounds real great on paper because you're going to go, oh, sweet, we're going to see maybe see Iron Man again or Cap again or this character again. Right. But they're not going to be the real Iron Man, Cap, whatever, because they're going to be scrolls. Or are they going to be scrolls? <laughs> yeah. Um, when I read Secret Invasion back in the day, I found it incredibly, I was with it and I understood it. I just found it incredibly confusing at points because you're like, who's a scroll? Who's not? A <laughs> it's like Mission yeah. Impossible 2 when they're taking off the masks all the time. I'm Tom Cruise. No, I'm not Tom Cruise. Yes, I am Tom Cruise. Um, that's, that can get tiring. So yes. if, if there's so many people are scrolls, I don't, yeah. But the plot points that are going to intersect with the rest of the MCU that sounds awesome. Absolutely. I but mean, I, I never thought it was in, for some reason, I just always assumed this was going to be a crossover event, but um, no, I think, I think this series has a ton of potential, but it's just, are they going to go overdo it with all of a sudden everybody's a scroll, you know, and are they retroactively probably. going to make different characters a scroll? And I agree that can get super tiring, super fast. Yeah. So they, they probably will. Um, <laughs> no, I have no idea. They, they're doing a good job of stuff. All right. Thunderbolts, Marvel Studios, Thunderbolts right. is the end of phase five. Um, <laughs> okay. The synopsis of Thunderbolts. A lot of people don't really know what Thunderbolts is. It's kind of a, out there title right now we've we've kind of discussed this a little bit here and there because the thunderbolts in a way are kind of like your dark avengers or your evil team yeah guys right <laughs> um so we have u.s agent and we have yelena who's i think we're still on the fence is she a good guy or a bad guy we're not really right sure. but with contessa uh valente whatever other name she has pulling the strings you see where i'm going to that uh um, yeah <laughs> I'm not sure what other characters are involved in Thunderbolts, and I don't know what was shown at Comic-Con. So, because if you watch the panel, they cut to black, and then they cut back. They're like, and then this thing, and they cut to black. And then when they cut back, you see the title. So clearly they showed them something that gave you an indication that it's Thunderbolts. However, yeah. the synopsis for Thunderbolts. A group of supervillains are recruited to go on missions for the government. Oh, okay. Suicide Squad. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that sounds really, really familiar. Right. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's enough of Marvel. Um, <laughs> Tomb Raider film has lost rights. Um, Tomb Raider film has Hollywood in a feeding frenzy. MGM has lost the rights to Tomb Raider. Alicia Vikander is no longer attached to the property. Tomb Raider 2 is now dead, and for the role of Lara Croft, expected to re-recast. Right. I was clearly like, holy crap, that was fast. Ultimately, what happened was I looked into it a little bit. Um, this is a perfect example of what happens when you have the rights to something and you don't do something with it quick enough. Yeah. So MGM had the Tomb Raider rights. They lapsed because they didn't have a green-lit... <laughs> Tomb Raider film in the works under the time limit required in the contract. This happened with um, Fox. They were to keep 
uh, before Disney purchased Fox to keep Fantastic Four as long as they did, they had to make a Fantastic Four movie. So Roger Corman made like the world's worst Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> I don't even know if it got released, but they had it on paper that the movie got shot and it was like super cheap budget. Like I've seen some screenshots of it and good Lord, I don't even want to attempt to watch it. But <laughs> I've heard is, that it's um, I know that it goes. I've never watched it myself, but I know it's one of those like things you can buy at like a bootleg booth at like Comic-Con and stuff. Sure. And uh, from what I've heard, it's extremely faithful to the comics, but almost to its own detriment where they didn't even like take the time to adapt anything for the screen. It's oh. kind of just like straight off the page and it's filled with bad acting and stuff, but some people actually really like it. So it's almost one of those weird cult classic, uh, maybe so bad it's good sort of things. I'm not really sure. Oh. Interesting. All right. Um, I'm sorry. There's one more Marvel story. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is coming, right? Yeah. I didn't know where this fell in the can um, continuity of the MCU. But according to James Gunn, um, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is an epilogue to phase four. <laughs> So phase four ends with Black Panther, but then at Christmas, we all have to watch Guardians of the Galaxy epilogue because it's going to be, I'm sorry, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special because it's going to be an epilogue to phase four. But he also says it is a must watch before Guardians three. I like that. I think that sounds fun. Um, so that sounds great. So the holiday special is officially Marvel canon now, um, as opposed to just something fun they were doing. Um I thought I was in my head. I was like, a la Star Wars holiday special, to be completely honest. What's going on here? Yeah, um, absolutely. OK, time to talk the weird. Oh, no, I'm sorry. One more story from Marvel. <laughs> it's in the mix. It's literally like my notes are so jumbled. There was so much stuff dropping so fast. OK, Eternals 2 was um, <laughs> Pat Oswalt voices uh, Pip the Troll. In Eternals, and Patton Oswalt um, just out of the blue says, "Oh yeah, they haven't announced it yet, but there's going to be an Eternal sequel." <laughs> nice. <laughs> Close out. Was going to direct it, and you're just like, "Wait, what?" So Marvel has officially conf had to confirm that Eternals two is an actual thing. That's hilarious. So getting another one of those. Um, he's probably going to get a slap on his wrist, and uh, <laughs> don't say stuff like that again. Um, <laughs> All right, are you ready for the massive stories that broke the freaking internet? And you probably were following along a little bit. Yeah. Holy <laughs> cow. Yeah. Insane. Okay, so first off, and this is where, and I'm trying to wrap my brain around the order of this because I'm seeing these in crazy uh, spindle of orders here. So uh, I got to save that one for, okay, I got to save that. Okay. Yeah, we'll just start here. Batgirl canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Deadline has confirmed that Warner Brothers. Now, by the way, I saw reports that Batgirl was canceled. A lot of rumor Batgirl canceled. Rumor Batgirl canceled. Rumor Batgirl canceled. Then reports saying, stop reading into these rumors. It's not canceled. Then officially, uh, <laughs> Deadline has informed, uh, confirmed that Warner Brothers and DC Films will not be releasing the Batgirl movie on any platform, including theatrical. So the Batgirl movie has reportedly been completely shelved and will not be released in theaters or on HBO Max. The new owners and management, led by CEO David Zaslav, 
are committed to making DC titles, big theatrical events, uh, event films, and Batgirl isn't that. Insiders added the studio brass loves the film's uh, directors and star and are actively planning to work with them soon. Okay. Uh, Zaslav, from what I understand, was part of the Snyder Cut problem back in the day. He mm. was one of them that was part of it. So take Ann Sarnoff out of the way, take Ann Sarnoff out of uh, the picture and get rid of Jason Kalar, and you're stuck with Zaslav, who I think was still a part of that. I'd have to go back and check my notes, but I'm pretty sure he was. My frustration right now is, and you're, and when I continue with the story, you're going to see where I'm frustrated is I, I talked about this on my, on the show I did solo Marvel is like, they're printing gold at this point. And for some reason you have execs over at Warner brothers that think that they're going to be able to do that. A quick, like a quick turnaround, like do that. But they're not backing their properties the way, in my opinion, they should be backing them. And it's right. very frustrated because I want good stuff from both companies. And I think they're giving us – they gave us some gold, but they don't believe in what they gave us. Yeah. That is – like a couple of movies, like Birds of Prey, believe me, not that good. But then you have stuff like Snyder Cut and Batman vs. Superman that they – it's like they don't understand the material that they have in their hands. And that – baffles me so when you hear reports that henry cavill is like no i'm done of course he's done look what's going on here and this gets weirder okay so bad girl canceled all right um statement from statement from zaslav the decision was not to release Batgirl. the decision to not release Batgirl uh, reflects our leadership's strategic shift as it relates to the dc universe and hbo max leslie grace is an incredibly talented actor and this decision is not a reflection of her performance we're incredibly grateful to the filmmakers of Batgirl and Scoob, Holiday Hunt, and their respective cast. So Scoob got shelved, too. Yeah. Um, and we hope to collaborate with everyone again in the near future. I feel like this is like, like, what do you, are you, I, <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to say. And that's the part that's really yeah, making me unsure of how this all plays out. Okay. Um, statement from... Statement from the directors. This is from the Batgirl directors. We're saddened and shocked by the news. We still can't believe it. As directors, it's critical that our work be shown to audiences. And while the film is far from finished, we wish the fans all over the world would have had the opportunity to see and embrace the final film themselves. Maybe one day, uh, maybe, uh, maybe they will. Um, our amazing cast and crew did a tremendous job and worked so hard to bring Batgirl to life. We are forever grateful to have been a part of the team. It was like a dream to work with such fantastic actors like Michael Keaton, J.K. Simmons, Brennan Fraser, Jacob Scripto, Corey Johnson, Rebecca Front, and especially the great Leslie Grace, who portrayed Batgirl with such, um, with so much passion, dedication, uh, humanity. In any case, a huge, uh, as huge fans of Batman. Since we were little kids, it's a privilege and honor to have been a part of the DCEU, even if it was for a brief moment, Batgirl for life. Now, I, I'm so glad they wrote that statement because they're basically like they had nothing to do with this. But I'm just glad they wrote that statement. But when yeah, you know, but the cast that they listed off. Come on, man. I forgot. my. Yeah, no, <laughs> I forgot Keaton was in that movie. I forgot that was going to be part of it. What is I don't understand what's happening. Um, but right in the Batgirl turnaround, Joker 2 has got a release date October 4th. Crazy. 
and confirms that Lady Gaga will be playing Harley Quinn in the Joker four in Joker two, and a teaser dropped today. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. There's Damn. nothing to watch. There's nothing to oh, watch. Okay. You go look up the Joker two teaser, and what you're gonna see is a black as a red background with a black silhouette of the Joker, and then red black background with a black silhouette of Harley Quinn or Lady Gaga in a dress, you're not in really picture. <laughs> and then a red background, and then you're going to see them, like, dancing, and then a red background, and you're going to see the title, and then a red background, and you're going to see the subtitle, and then they're going to close it, and then they're going to give you the release date. There's nothing there. Okay, nice. <laughs> you know, but the fact that they released it, like, Batgirl's Cancer, by the way, you're getting the Joker 2, here's a teaser. Like, like, I don't know if it's, like, did this they have to over release here, something? So, like, the treats over here. <laughs> yeah, did they have to release something as a distraction from... I, who knows what's going on over there? I don't know. And this is where the story gets weirder. Okay. Batgirl's being canceled. All right. Um, okay. So Batgirl's being canceled. Um, not that, not that. I'm, it makes me concerned for Supergirl, the Supergirl movie, which they haven't announced if it's being canceled. Yeah. There's a lot of um, rumblings going on about that a movie lot of, right now. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, the movie I'm the most worried about is uh, that Blue Beetle film because yeah, yeah we that. we saw we saw the behind the scenes shots of that suit and that suit looks so good from just this sort of bootleg behind the scenes shot from the movie and I just I'm dying to see that film when it finally gets finished and I would be so annoyed if they end up canceling it. Well, okay. So here you go. A documentary filmmaker, uh, Leslie Iverks, uh, recently asked license to license clips from Zack Snyder's Justice League for a film for a film on DC's history. So she wants to make okay. a documentary on the DC EU in general. Warner Brothers Discovery reportedly told her there is only one Justice League film and, and they referenced the 2020 the 2017 version. <laughs> wow. So they're basically saying that Zack Snyder's Justice League has nothing to do with the DCEU. Man. Well, what I think Warner Brothers needs to know is anyone who purchased that 2017 version of Justice League most likely threw it out when they bought <laughs> just the Snyder Cut version. Like, no one believes in that film. No one believes in that Josh Whedon piece of garbage that you guys released yeah. in 2017. We all went, mm, not the best, and then Snyder released this thing. So um, Warner Brothers basically, you know, said that's not a thing, <laughs> um, which you're just like, OK, well, you've completely canceled Zack Snyder. But and this is OK. But Jason Momoa. Leaked, I think, on purpose that Ben Affleck is returning to yeah. play Batman in Aquaman 2, which is still coming out, which yeah. isn't canceled. That movie's still coming. So. The, the Snyderverse doesn't exist anymore. Like, you guys are printing – It's this is a no-brainer. And I'm so – I feel like I'm ranting, but I don't know the words to say. I <laughs> I really, really don't. Um, so Affleck's returning, but – and then this is where it gets weird. Um, Michael Keaton, really, Keaton reportedly filmed a scene for Aquaman 2 yes. that apparently got confused because it would confuse audiences. Um, it seems the flash was initially meant to come out before Aquaman two, but this scene got cut because the flash is actually releasing after cause they changed release dates. Yeah. So like, this, I heard about so, that too. Mm, okay. 
So that's uh-huh. like basically what everybody's thinking is Ben Affleck had to do some like pickup reshoot scenes for Agu- <laughs> excuse me, sorry. <laughs> for Aquaman to make sure that kind of so they could correct that so audiences wouldn't be confused about Michael Keaton's Batman showing up all of a sudden. But uh yeah. no, keep going. Yes. Okay, but Despite all of the Ezra Miller weird controversy, CEO David Zaslav also addressed the theatrical future of Warner Brothers. Uh, Picture releases confirming the plans to release Black Adam, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, and The Flash. We have some great DC films coming up, Black Adam, Shazam!, and Flash, um, and we're working on all of those. Um, We're very excited about them. We've seen them, and we think they're terrific, and we think we can make them even better. Well... Let's hope you don't make them like the way you thought you made Justice League better. Um, is all I'm going to say to that. Yeah. Um, he says that uh, David Zaslav says that they're <laughs> that they're setting up a team at DC with a 10 year plan with a significant focus on quality. He notes Kevin Feige's Marvel Studios model inspiration. Okay, so now you're going to start making DC movies like Marvel. We already saw that that doesn't work. It's called the 2017 version of Justice League. <laughs> um, so 10-year plan. There will be a team with a 10-year plan focused on just DC. It's a very similar to structure that Alan Horn and Bob Iger put together. Very effectively, Kevin <laughs> Feige at Disney. According to Warner Brothers uh, CEO David Zaslav, we think that we could build a long-term, much stronger, sustainable growth business out of DC. And as part of that, we're going to focus on quality. We're not going to release any film before it's ready. We're not going to release any film to make a quarter. So they're not going to release movies to make money. I don't, I don't know anyone who went into a movie saying, let's make a piece of shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, 10 year plan, similar to Marvel. Um, we have done a reset or restructure the business. We're going to go focus where there will be a team 10 year plan focusing very similar to Disney. So I'm concerned about origin stories on this story. I'm concerned that, um, they don't have clue one what they're doing. And I really don't know how to think about any of this. Um, so the, the thing is with the way Warner Brothers and DC has you talk for a little bit. <laughs> well, the way Warner Brothers and DC has been for the last so many years, um, it's like on paper it sounds it sounds like a good thing. Like okay, they're they have a ten year plan they're working up and they're gonna have a cohesive vis- vision for the DCEU and the movies going forward. But with how Warner Brothers has been, I feel like in a couple months they're going to release a statement that's going to directly contradict that because it's like been pretty obvious that they just don't have a plan. And then part of it is it feels like the higher ups are always just saying stuff that sounds good, but doesn't necessarily ever come to fruition in any way. And it's, it's really frustrating as a DC fan because they do have some really good movies under their belt. And if they could just, create a cohesive vision for this universe that would be amazing and like oh, not co- everybody oh, sorry, go ahead. sorry no go ahead i was just gonna say like not everybody likes the snyder movies but and maybe th- that's like a darker tone than a lot of people like but if you stayed with that continuity it would at least be something cohesive that people could latch on to because right now it's just it's a bunch of shots in the dark and you don't know from one movie to the next, you don't know what's going on. And like, 
it sounds like and you don't like is this like birds of prey felt like it was completely aside yeah. from like ever like it's like this <laughs> whole thing on its own but it's the harley quinn from this other movie i watched which was connected to this other movie i think yeah like <laughs> there's a lot of that but i'll tell you this this is the part that frustrates me with all the anti Zack snyder stuff going on over there like against Zack snyder Every movie looks like a Zack Snyder film because they're using his visual language. Yeah. That's driving me nuts. I just, there needs to be some consistency there. I think there needs to be, if they're going to go for a Kevin Feige to like, you know, be behind the wheel, do it and pick very smart because we just want, we just want good movies, man. Like part of me is frustrated because I'm looking at this as adult and I should be looking at this as a kid going, Hey, the next Batman movie's out. Let's go check it out. You know, but (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's what's frustrating to me, because, um, well, just going off what you said, like Zack Snyder did do such a good job of aesthetically establishing the DCEU as its own thing. Like you look at the character designs and the costumes and stuff in the DC uh, cinematic universe. It is way different than the MCU. Like the costumes have a completely different approach. And Zack Snyder did such a good job of differentiating a really a universe that's made up of really similar subject matter to the MCU, but he found a way to make uh, the DC characters stand out. And I feel like that's why they're kind of beholden to that sort of approach when it comes to costumery and uh, cinematography and stuff, because I mean, Zack Snyder and his team did such a good job establishing that. Um, The one thing I will say about this whole story um, is I don't know why, but for some reason I assumed Batgirl being canceled was it had something to do with the Discovery merger. And I think that might have been just me filling in gaps or the craziest segue you could have like given me. Okay, cool. Discovery merging HBO Max and Discovery Plus, which I think we all knew was going (laughs) to happen. Top priority is to launch an integral uh, streaming VOD service, allowing subscribers to access both catalogs of content. The country confirmed blah, blah, blah. It'll be summer of 2023 uh, for the big thing. Um, here in the States. And then uh, Europe is uh, 2023 through 2024. But I, there is probably a it's probably Discovery stepping in going, OK, you guys got to get this DC under the under yeah. control. This is what we think you need to do, blah, blah, blah. But they gave us no plan. And I think that's part of the like, this is what we want to do. Great. Well, what's the plan? What's the actual plan? Um, at the end of the day, dude, I just want to see a good movie. Stop screwing around. <laughs> so the, the thing is like, cause originally I just assumed that this whole, the whole situation, Batgirl, Scoob, both those movies being canceled, like all the weird stuff going on at WB, I assumed it was stemming from the discovery merger. And I think I just assumed that because the thing is, we knew the discovery merger was going to happen and we knew it was going to be a big shakeup. Like, I feel like we've kind of been expecting projects to get canceled for a while. And I think I, I guess my silver lining is like, if this is the case and if discovery is like, look, guys, you need a cohesive plan. You need to clean up your act. You need to make this DC cinematic universe feel cohesive and just become like a much better uh, pro- product. And I feel like 
the silver lining to me might be that, yes, like certain movies are going to get canceled and some of these announcements are going to sting and they're really going to suck to hear. But hopefully in the long run, it might lead to a better set of movies and a more cohesive universe. That's what I'm hoping for. But at the same time, it could go the other way and it could just be a giant crap show that just wow. is rolling out super slowly in this real time. <laughs> where the crap show concerns me. How many origin stories are we going to sit through again? You right. know, how like. <laughs> yeah, like they got to start telling stories, but like how many of these are going to be origin stories? You know, that's part that bugs me. Um, yes. How heavy of a reset are we doing? So but they don't know because they haven't given us a plan. I just feel like I feel like this news on top of their lackluster news at Comic-Con and getting booed on stage because they don't know who's playing Superman. <laughs> that that's the part that makes me go, wow, you guys really need to get your house in order. Like you shouldn't have gone to Comic-Con. Like you should have gone, hey, we're going to release the Black Adam trailer. We're going to release the Shazam trailer. But that's all we're doing. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like they I like I just get your house in order, guys, because I want to defend you. I want to be there for you. But decisions are being made that are making it really difficult for me to follow suit. <laughs> if you will. And it's just it's been so many. I feel like every like Warner Brothers, like big announcement we've heard for the last couple of years it feels like it's always damage control like it always feels like it's some higher up trying to say something to appease the fan base for like these really bizarre decisions they're making and like right, but why don't you just make the art speak for itself and just make good movies and then you won't have yeah. to do damage control all the time and, and you know? your damage control statements piss us off more than appease Absolutely. us no one has any clue what you're talking about <laughs> okay I done not enough ranting. <laughs> Look, my butt's gonna be in a seat regardless. I'm gonna buy tickets to these movies. I'm going. The DC audience is the same audience as the Marvel audience. We all we're all going. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just you guys gotta get your house in order, man. I want to back you. I want to defend you. I still defend. Like I'm always gonna defend Snyder Cut. I'm always gonna defend Batman vs Superman. And there's other movies you guys pumped out, but you need to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. Um. Okay. One final story, because this is way cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> nerd coffins bring Ghostbusters, Star Wars to the afterlife. Uh, a All national right, <laughs> casket sales understands that once we die, we might be on our own. But no matter what awaits us in the afterlife, you can still celebrate your favorite sci-fi comedy franchises. So you can get a Ghostbusters coffin. You can get a Star Wars coffin. And those are the only ones uh, mentioned in this article. But I can only imagine if you really wanted it, you could be whatever you want, which has me like completely like because where I was considering being cremated. Sounds like I want a Star Wars coffin. <laughs> like, like wait a minute, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So when when we actually get there, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I remember yeah. on, um, I think it was an episode of Comic Book Men, Walt Flanagan said he wanted to be buried in a coffin that resembles a giant long box, <laughs> like a long box that you keep comic books in. And oh, I always thought that was awesome. super 
hilarious and clever so that's funny see i the reason i wanted to be cremated was so i could be put in an hourglass and then use that family (laughs) (laughs) nice um or uh there was one i saw there was one thing i saw on reddit where this guy wanted um do i still have it because hang on maybe i still have it um this was so funny when i read it when i read it (laughs) Uh haha um all right maybe i deleted it Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. No. Yeah, maybe I deleted it. It was literally a. Um, oh no 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 no. This is uh, this was on this came from Reddit. Uh, my thirty-six uh, year old husband had some disturbing requests for his after uh, after he passed away. Um, this is really bizarre, and I'm sorry ahead of time. My husband of 12 years has um, has had a medical problem recently. The topic about ending his plans uh, came up, and I asked if he wanted to be buried. He didn't, um, nor did he want to be cremated. My husband wants to have his skull taken from his body and cleaned. Then he wants the skull put on the mantle in the living room. The rest of his body he wants sent to those places that makes uh, gems out of bodies and made into two blue diamonds. Um, he then wants those gems to be put in the eye socket of the skull to look like eyes. Then he can watch the family home and be passed down through the generations. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, that made me laugh so hard. So it's either that, uh, being put in an hourglass for family game night, or I'm getting a Star Wars coffin. Just saying. <laughs> um, all right. I think, um, oh, sorry, just to no, add to that, because I feel like those are some pretty extensive demands that that uh, Reddit husband had. But uh, it reminds me, I think it was David Cross has a comedy bit about after he's dead, he doesn't give a crap what happens to his body because he's dead and it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I kind of do sympathize with that aspect, too. Like, if I'm gone, you can do whatever you want. I don't really care. Just do whatever's the cheapest. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of our news. Sorry I ranted so long on this Batgirl thing, but it bugs me. The um, the uh, release the Snyder Cut people have already started with the release the Batgirl Cut. And mm-hmm. it's... I feel like in a world where fans are toxic on all scales, it doesn't matter if you're Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Adventure Time, My Little Pony, everyone for some reason is just very toxic when it comes to the fan bases. Um, yeah. Stop pissing off your fans. And this is the one thing I will say to the DC execs, if you're listening, not every Marvel movie is fantastic. They have a great model, but there's nothing wrong with having a mediocre movie that does well. Like Ant-Man is not the best Marvel movie but it did well because they everyone knew it was the next chapter and it's a funny movie and it ended up being pretty good in the end. Okay. Thor, the dark world, not the best, but it's aged well. And we all went and saw it because it's the next chapter. Do you see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. get your house in order. That's literally my advice. Um, and I think if they're true about this 10 year plan, that's great. But how many movies can you make in 10 years? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Good call. I mean, if like you look at Marvel, model, if you look at the Marvel model. If you look at the Marvel model, that's twenty-three. Well, get on Fair it. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, let's talk about tonight's list, shall we? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Um. So let's roll the thing.
the top five. All right, Peter. Yeah. So, list time. I need you to explain to the audience. <laughs> so, if you haven't listened in a couple weeks, Peter got sick. He came up with this idea for a list. We had to push it back because he got sick, and that's why I did the solo show last week. So, Peter needs to re-explain to the audience and reaffirm to me, because I think <laughs> I did this list very wrong, and I found this incredibly, incredibly difficult to put together. Um Interesting. For several reasons. So go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, is a list. Away. This is a list of our top five movies that you can recognize within 30 seconds of the movie being turned on. And I felt like this was a fun list because there's a lot of movies that you watch and you love. But when it comes to the opening of the movie or the intro, it's all, some some movies you have to watch a couple of minutes before you realize what it is. And I think. I just thought it was fun. I thought it'd be fun to pick out those movies that have a distinct enough intro that you just know them right away. Or they're just movies you've watched a million times. So you just immediately know what movie it is. Um, there's actually a specific movie that made me think of this list. And uh, I'll get into that later when we actually get into my list. But um, no, I just thought it was a, a fun topic. Uh, it's pretty open ended. So I don't think you could do it wrong necessarily but uh i don't know drew what was uh what was your issues with this well, list so this is how this this is how this, <laughs> these are my issues so <laughs> i like to you know when people ask what your hobbies are and you hear someone's like oh Aunt drew's into movies you know what i mean like i'm a yeah. movie guy like i just i love film whether it be television or movies whatever i just love the art form so i, I, just, I just love it and I have this, and I'm not trying to brag at all, but I get laughed at sometimes by people because I have this innate ability to enter a room and be like, oh, you're watching, just go with yeah. it. Oh, you're watching Cars. Oh, you're watching Star Wars. Oh, oh, James Bond, uh, Skyfall, cool, good movie, you know? And, like, it's within seconds, not 30, within seconds. And it's, like, <laughs> every movie short of like hallmark stuff at christmas time when it's being when it's unfortunately on my tv it's like oh it's a hallmark movie <laughs> you know yeah. but um like i'm just so quick and even sometimes it's movies i've never seen and they're like how do you know i'm like well i follow the industry <laughs> so closely and i know right those on, yeah are together you know so <clears throat> other reason i found this list difficult to do is because there is i was wondering if you were thinking the beginning of the movie or randomly the yeah middle. Because my thing is, is like sometimes I know what it is within seconds, so I stop flipping channels. Or right. I walk in the room and I know what it is and I stop and watch. The other, the reason beginnings in the movies I thought were weird is that I know that it's Star Wars from the specific look of the 20th Century Fox logo. So right. sometimes I know what the movie is before I even get to the opening credits. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the other part that I found. I'm like, so I'm basically making a list of five movies that I can identify from the company logos that appear on screen. And that, this is that can be part of like, it. And that that that's I think that's why the whole thing, the whole concept was weird for me. So I was trying to stay away from certain things and try to be obscure. And I'm like, <laughs> I really don't understand how to do this list. So in a really weird way, you didn't stump me because I have an answer. I have a list. Yeah. I have a list. But it really made me go how the hell do I do this list? <laughs> so so the, um, the way that I was thinking about the list is I feel like 
opening up a movie, like opening up a film, there's a specific art form to it. Like, what do you do to get the person's attention? What, what are you going to show everybody that's unique? Is the music going to be so unique or attention grabbing? Like, I feel like just the opening of a film is a unique art form. And that's kind of the way I structured my list is appreciating those interesting, unique ways to open a movie. But if you wanted to say like, I just know this movie because I've seen it a million times and I just know it within the first second. Like, I think there's something to that as well. So you could include that stuff. So that's just sure. kind of how I how I approach the list. Well, so. I, I agree with you that you say, what's the attention grabber? Yeah. But I mean, what grabs people's attention in the beginning? <laughs> and that's the part where, like, I'm so good with audio. Like, you, the Universal logo starts and I know if it's Fast and Furious 5 or if it's Jurassic Park. Yes. Like I, but I, I, I do think that the discussion <laughs> you know. of why you know what movie it is, I think oh. that is an interesting aspect to it as well. Right. So. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, do you have so honorable mentions? I have one. OK. Uh, like I said, this was difficult. I was literally going in going, I don't have any honorable mentions, but I have one. So if you have two, like you probably do. Um, <laughs> of course I have two. Um, <laughs> give me the well, your first one. So we're on track. So my first one, I feel like it's a super obvious pick, um, but I just had to do it. And I went with uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because this is a movie that right away it starts with that cartoon intro. And it's got that song that's completely unique to the movie, but it's got that goofy cartoon intro of Santa Claus delivering presents. And it's got all those great slapstick bits in it. But it's one of those things that. I really wanted to pick this one because this is one that I know with literally within the first five seconds of seeing the movie. But it's also cartoon intros to live action movies. That was like a popular thing kind of in the, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s. I wish they still did that because that's that was really cool. Why don't they do that anymore? You know, so um, like I feel like the last movie I can think of that had an animated intro was like rat race maybe and that was like 15 years ago or something so yeah i don't right. know, bring back the cartoon intros that's all i gotta say yeah they do have an animated opening don't they <laughs> um so my first one is um catch me if you can. um that's my honorable mention they have and it's funny that you mentioned the cartoon intro because they kind of do have a cartoon <laughs> intro um but and they're using that specific uh is it it's not Blue Rhapsody. It's no, it's not Blue Rhapsody. It just has that. It's the it's the whole airline thing and them running. through. It's like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of art style that is. Um, it's just a really I really like the opening credit sequence to catch me if you can. And mm -hmm. uh, but the, the the animation with the credits and everything like and the music itself, like that's that's a hit. That's a hit right there. It's just the music by itself. Like, oh, it's catch me if you can. Yeah. And then. You know, so nice. Yeah, that's a perfect pick, I think. So, um, what's your next honorable mention? <laughs> so my next one, this is an honorable mention because this is more of a I've just seen this movie too many times and I know it immediately. But uh, I went with School of Rock um, because it's one of those things that. At the beginning of the movie, you hear Jack Black's original band playing and the movie starts with uh, it's kind of like a zoomed in shot of the back of somebody's T-shirt. And I think it says like Paramount Pictures uh, presents. And then from there you go, you follow this guy to like down this hallway into this like bar or like rock concert venue. And there's different 
posters on the wall that say like, you know, have some of the other production credits and stuff. And it's just, it's one of those things that I feel like I've seen the movie enough times that I just know it immediately. And I think most people see it and it looks familiar, but they don't know what the movie is right away. So this is, this is one of those more, like I've seen it so many times. I just know it right away, but it's also, I think it's a pretty clever way to start out the movie to use like t-shirts and, uh, you know, concert flyers and stuff to, uh, you know, put all the uh, production credits out there. So uh, yeah, school of rock. (laughs) rock. All right. So, my favorite movie of all time is Out of Sight. Right. Um, I could be in the other room and hear it and know that Out of Sight's on. Um, but the Universal logo, the opening theme to the movie starts when you see the logo before you ever see anything on screen related to the movie. And it's just, it's the song that plays, it's catchy enough that it just, I know it. So, like, if you're turning it on and I'm in the other room, I'll be coming out. This is the, you know, those memes when you're like, you're at a party and someone mentions this and you have the guy peeking around the corner, like, what's up? You know, those memes. <laughs> um, that's how yeah. I, with literally everything on my list where like, if I'm just in another room, like I'll hear it and be like, Oh, we're watching this movie. Let's go. You know? Nice. Um, so this is just one. And it's probably and literally everything on my list. I've seen it too many times. Nice. So, um, but yeah, out of sight. I love this movie, so I don't have a lot to say on like, it's not like I'm reviewing this. It's like, this is why I'm catching it. Like, yeah, I think that's why I think this list is weird. Like, <laughs> like it's like, <laughs> this is a top five movies that we recognize quickly list, like film recognition. <laughs> yeah. I just, just, I don't know. Um, as I go through my list, it might get more clear. Well, I'm going to explain like what made me think of it. Um, Good. but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, going into my first pick, um, I went with Man of Steel. Um, You know, speaking of movies, I've just watched too many times. Like, I love this movie. I feel like I mention it almost every other episode. So I don't want to go on too long. But Man of Steel, the way it opens, it has this really cool thing where it's showing uh, the different production companies for the movie. But the backdrop for it and the texture and, like, the colors of the actual production movie icons and stuff is in this really cool metallic yet like earth tone sort of thing. And you're being led through this really interesting um, sort of backgrounds. And what you realize when you watch the movie is you're those production icons are being shown with the backdrop of like Kryptonian architecture and Kryptonian technology. And it's such a, it's such a unique look and like it's one of those things where I see it and right away I know it. But and I feel like it's super unique, but most people I watch the movie with, like that opening starts and they go, Wait, what's this? And I'm just like, It's Man of Steel. Like, <laughs> how do you not know that right away? But I feel like most people just don't remember that opening when you see the uh rat pack icon or the sin copy icon or uh you know, all that. So yeah. Man of Steel. I don't know if I have too much else right. to say about it. I just think they have a really cool intro to that film. So gotcha. Well, my first one is um, my next one is Few Good Men. Um, I love this movie. I've seen it a lot. This is a stop flipping channels movie for me. Um, no matter how many times I see it, if it's on, I'll stop. And that's with a recognition of oh shit, Few Good Men. I need to stop flipping channels. Um, yeah. But the opening to this movie, the theme, so- the opening. 
credits with the music playing is there's no music it's the um flag core i th- guess it is it's the marines right. doing like the drill with the like the guns and they're flipping them and rolling them and like marching and all that stuff but that's what it is and um i i, I want to say as a flat it's essentially a flag core but i don't really know if that's the right term for the marine right so, but I think, you know, I think you know what I'm talking about. And anyone who sees the movie knows, has seen it, knows what I'm talking about. But that's another one where, like, as soon as it's on, you don't even see the title. It's just, you hear it, you hear the marching, you hear the footsteps, and boom, you're just like, oh, like, again, I could be in another room and I'd hear it. And I'd be like, okay, watch a few good minutes. Yeah. Here we go. And and I um, think this is a good pick because I haven't seen, I haven't seen this movie for years. And I definitely remember that intro. So, uh, yeah, good call. Yeah. But again, this is one I could be like two-thirds of the way through the movie, random obscure scene, and I'm stopping because I'm like, oh, hey, look at that. Um, so, okay, what's your next one? Yeah, so my next one, oh, I actually... I'm going to go through this list fast because of <laughs> what it is. Uh, yeah. But... Um, the next one I went with is uh, Love Actually, and uh, this one's a little bit of a cheat because technically the first minute or two of the movie is a monologue that uh, you hear Hugh Grant's voice and he has this monologue all about love and different kinds of love and uh, how love is all around us etc and it's showing I believe people in the airport all like you know people get off their flight and they're meeting their family and loved ones and giving hugs and kisses and all that and it is a really I think that there does stand alone like it is a super unique definitely like unmistakably love actually opening to this movie but what actually made me think of this movie and uh, the reason why it's a cheat is immediately after that dialogue it goes to the part where you have uh, Bill Nighy's character in the recording booth recording that Christmas is all around song that the movie starts with and uh, there's it's kind of a comedic bit but I think that song is just so catchy and it's one of those things once I hear that song, I know immediately it's love, actually. So it's kind of the it's a cheat because that's that song is really what made me think of this. But I do think that that uh, Hugh Grant monologue at the beginning of the film does work for a uh, unique attention getting intro as well. So gotcha. Um, yeah, love, actually. <laughs> um, OK, back to the future. Um, I know awesome. it starts, I know it starts with the ticking clock and the pan across Doc Brown's clocks and the stuff like that, and you hear the news broadcast and everything, but it's just there's something about the gadgets and like the hand, the fake hand that just kind of like it's the mannequin hand that just comes and it kind of turns and it hits the switch that allows the <laughs> like the dog <laughs> like enter the bowl. Yeah, like that opening. <laughs> Like, I don't know why I really like that opening. I feel like it's a very Spielberg kind of a thing. Like, I just really yeah. enjoy how that, yeah, opening works. So I feel I, like that's, I didn't think of that opening, but I feel like that's one of the best film openings of all time when you really think about it. Like, that's such a good, like, you establish, you don't even see Doc Brown, but you establish, like, so much you need to know about his character. And then you also establish so much about, marty's character right away and it's done with no dialogue like it is a beautiful intro to the film that just makes you want to keep watching and see what happens next you know yeah um all right man what do you got yeah so my next one's super simple um but i went with uh scott pilgrim versus the world and uh this one (laughs) 
here's the thing is this one is real, really real quick. This one has been coming up lately a lot for some Are reason or what? No. no, 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 no. In the world that I exist in, <laughs> like whether I'm watching something on TV, not Scott Pilgrim, but like a reference gets made or I hear a song like I heard Black Sheep probably three times in the past week. And I don't know why <laughs> it was random. I'm like. All right, that's cool. I love this song, but why is the is the universe wanting me to watch Scott Pilgrim right now? <laughs> yeah, it's like, funny that it. it's funny that you mention it because um, Anamanaguchi, the band that did the Scott Pilgrim video game music, they just did a tour for like the all the like the video game album that they did. They just like finished touring, <laughs> like in honor of the. It was right. like kind of like a. Scott Pilgrim, the game, the album, like 10 year reunion sort of tour or something. So that's just kind of another bit of Scott Pilgrim stuff that's just out there in the uh, ether, I guess. So that's pretty funny. But uh, no, this the reason I picked Scott Pilgrim, it really comes down to when the movie starts and you see the Universal logo. It's like the first thing you see and the Universal logo looks all pixelated and there's this kind of like video game, like eight bit version of the universal theme in the background. And it's one of those things. Once you see it, you never forget it. I remember being in the theater and watching that. And it was just one of those things. The freaking this movie, the freaking uh, production studios logo is what drew me into the film because you see that. And I remember somebody in the theater going. Well, that was awesome. Like as soon as the Universal uh, right. uh, logo is shown, and then the re this one's kind of a cheat because immediately after that it co it goes into the movie and it starts with um, narration and it's it's the beginning of the movie is like once upon a time in Canada, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler, <laughs> something to that effect. So they they do mention Scott Pilgrim's name like within the th first 30 seconds of the film. So this is an obvious pick, but it's really that universal logo at the beginning that was just so good and just such a uh, such an awesome way to open that film, I think. So, yeah, yeah, um, I kind of forgot about that opening. Yeah. Like I like that's the thing. I just it's so familiar, like in my head, like as you <laughs> so. Um, all right. So the next one for me is uh, Top Gun. Um, OK, nice. This is this is the I recognize the music right away Um, that like whatever the Paramount logo is, Um, you know, like you haven't even gotten to the like you haven't even gotten to that part. Hear it like is the Paramount logo is going. Um, they did the same thing in um, Top Gun Maverick, but uh, I've only seen that movie once, unfortunately. So, like, I don't I know that it's it's the Top Gun opening. <laughs> um, but it makes me think. But that's just I've seen the movie so many times, like burned through so many copies of VHSs and that kind of thing. Like it's Top Gun. And that's another one, like a few good men, like middle of the movie. Boom. Top Gun's on. <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, but you even hear the Jets. Um, you know, I remember. uh I remember being on a family vacation. Uh, we're in the back seat. We had the convert. Our parents had a conversion van, so we had a TV in the back. Um, and it was like, what movies are you going to bring with? And we ended up bringing Top Gun. That was one of them. And I remember watching it while dad's driving on a highway <laughs> and um, him going, OK, you guys aren't allowed to watch Top Gun anymore because the sound of the jets was creeping him out because he thought the cars were pe flying past him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, like, there's sound recognition. 
Um, but yeah, yeah top, that Top Gun opening. Um, but that Paramount thing, this is a quick side note. Um, Transformers uses the, the transforming sound effect as those Paramount stars are like circling around the moon. You know, that like oh, that. Good, yeah. You know what I mean? Like what, however you make that noise. Um, but they're that metallic transforming sound effect as it's, you know, coming into place. Um, it's just they, they like to do that with the Paramount logo. They used to use they like to use sound effects that, you know, go in. Same thing with Mission Impossible. Like, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. All right. So Top Gun, what's um, your next one? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say like Top Gun. Like I said, this is a very list. short very short like run through the night with this so um top gun did make my short list but i felt i didn't make, i didn't put it on my final list because i was like i don't know if i know the intro that like i do know it but i don't know if i know it that well but thinking about it you're right like that uh seeing the paramount logo and like that beginning like little animation and then hearing those sort of like percussive beats at the beginning of the top gun theme song i think i would know it like right away you know I, I just didn't realize it until your description there but um moving into my next pick um this one's super obvious um and this one's a bit of a cheat as well but <laughs> kind of for the same reason as love actually oddly enough but i went with mall rats and uh mall rats is a movie that opens where you have um you have it shows a bunch of shots of the mall and then there's a voiceover of brody telling like this kind of dirty joke about his uh, cousin Walt. And uh, I'm not going to say it right now because it's inappropriate <laughs> for the podcast, but it's kind of just this funny, dirty joke monologue. And that is so like there you watch that and that's unmistakably mall rats. But the reason this is a cheat is what actually made me think of the mall, mall rats intro was actually after that little dirty joke monologue, it goes straight into the opening credits and it has like all the characters in the movie drawn as a uh, comic book characters. Yeah. But it's really the song that's playing in the background, which I looked it up and uh, the song is called Social by the band Squirt Gun. And that opening riff to the song is so it's just so mall rats. And it's one of those things that you hear. And I feel like it's iconic in a sense that it's just like forever associated with that movie. And it's that sort of like. And if you listen to like Kevin Smith's podcast, Jason Muse references that song all the time. And it's just one of those things like that opening riff is just so like you hear it and you think mall rats immediately. And uh, it's just amazing in that way. So, you know, I know I love that. Yeah, I really that I, I always liked that comic book opening that they did. Yeah, I like that opening monologue, too. I really need to sit down and watch Mall Rats again, just because. I ultimately I love that movie, but I just haven't watched it in a really long time, so I should probably give that movie a, <laughs> a pass. Um, nice. All right, so my last one. I was trying to keep this off the list. I really was, but there's no way around it. This is a series of movies slash series of television shows that. Um, I would recognize it doesn't, I, you don't even have to, it doesn't have to be the beginning. It could be a sound effect and you got my attention. It could be someone name dropping in a crowd and I'm the guy like, what's up? What are we talking about? <laughs> um, and it's the, I stop watching. I stop flipping channels. As soon as I see it, 
I can like I know it by this like the 20th Century Fox logo that appears on screen. It's got a specific look to it, and for some reason, specific sound. You just know. So that's any Star Wars property. Period. <laughs> It's right. my final pick. It's just any Star Wars. I know it. It's just here we go. And I'm getting so used to the Disney Plus, um, that new Star Wars, you know, like right before you start watching The Mandalorian, yeah. it's got that thing where you see the faces, like you see the helmet of Vader and then the droids and the Stormtrooper and the Mandalorian. Like they're they're showing those like helmets of stuff. Yeah. And then they show you Star Wars logo and then they go into the show. Um, I'm getting used to that sound effect well enough, too, that I'm catching it from the other room. Like my kid's watching something. So... Um, yeah, man. So any Star Wars, it's just, it's, it's almost the audio stuff that catches, that triggers it more than the, yeah. uh, the visuals. Um, but yeah. So I think this is a great pick. Uh, this also made my short list. The reason I didn't go with Star Wars is because I when not I do, but at the end of the day, like, based <laughs> on what you're doing, I'm like, yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> when when so. it comes to the movies for me, it's the way they start. I wouldn't be able to know specifically which movie it was until you get to the crawl and then it gives it away right away. And that's the only reason I didn't pick. But you're right. It is one of those things. As soon as that intro starts, like, you know that it's star Wars right away. And if you're good enough to know, based on the way the 20th century Fox logo looks, you're on another level it, than me, Drew. And you probably do know which movie. <laughs> for some reason it has a specific type of lighting to it that the other 20th century Fox logos don't. Yeah. And that's the weird part. It's like, I know that star Wars, but long before the movie even remotely comes close to starting. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. oddly enough, this didn't make my list, but part of me is thinking of the, uh, simpsons movie because the 20th century fox logo has uh ralph wiggums <laughs> like inside the o of 20 he like walks out oh. and he does that like da 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 or you know he he like sings the 20th century fanfare <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which is which is super amusing that probably could have been a good pick if i didn't think of it just now so um but yeah moving into my final pick um this is the movie that inspired this list and uh, i went with Shaun of the dead and uh, oh. the reason it is, is because if you watch the movie, there's at the very beginning, there's like one or two production company like logos. And then the movie starts and it starts with a black screen. And uh, I don't know the song that plays in the background, but there's this weird, like kind of electronic sounding, like ascending set of notes that you hear. And the notes like it, it like starts in a spot and the notes go up. And once it kind of reaches its natural conclusion, it shows a shot of uh, Sean Penn right there, like Scott Pilgrim or not Scott Pilgrim, Sean of the Dead right there right away. And he's sitting in the Winchester with his girlfriend. But it's it's really those when the screen's black and there's those like ascending notes that they have. I don't know what it is, but the sound is so unique. Like as soon as I hear those notes. I know it's Scott Pilgrim and it's one of those things that I watched the movie with groups of people. And there's somebody, there's always like somebody in the other room who's like, wait, is this Scott Pilgrim? Right. And it's just like such a unique set of notes. And it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like lately I've been on a big, like Edgar Wright kick. Like I, I kind of think he's like a lot more sophisticated of a filmmaker than he probably gets credit for. But I feel like that opening, like, synth riff or whatever it is is like so unique to that movie and it was such a great choice because it gets your attention right away 
I've never heard anything else that sounds like it. It's like unmistakably uh, Shaun of the Dead. So, yeah, that's my final pick. And it's really I don't know what it was, but thinking of that intro like little riff there is really what inspired this whole list. And I think it is an interesting thing like to talk about the very opening of a movie. I think there is an art to making something that'll catch your attention, but also be unique enough that it'll be memorable and stuff like that. So yeah, there you go. You know, I'm glad you gave me like where this came from because I would, it had me completely baffled all week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So so, yeah, and I'm like, well, actually, the past two weeks, I'm like, well, at least I got a little bit of extra time to try and figure this out. List out. <laughs> um, and I remember texting you. Nice. And I was like, okay, I, I had it right the whole time, but all right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so. Um, all right, so next week, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, what are we doing? I can't believe I dug through our list of lists to make sure we've never done this. Special effects have a massive place in movies. They have to exist. So... Five special effect moments. Ooh, okay. Um, so this could be a really good discussion. We could be this could be a long episode discussing this. So hopefully news is light. I hope I didn't. There's just... gonna be all sorts of aliens popping out of chests next week. Well, <laughs> yeah, and next week, um, this list, this list, the idea for this came up because I'm watching this ILM documentary, this ILM yeah. series on Disney Plus. Seriously, everyone needs to watch it. But there's a line, one of the guys, one of the guys from ILM, he said something in the documentary, and I was like, that's going to be a list. We have to do this list. And I'll tell you what that line is next week. Um, nice. And the reason why this came into my mind. So, um, yeah. This is this is an awesome list. Special effects is one of my favorite, favorite I, aspects of film, and this is going to be really fun. I just can't believe we've never discussed it before. So, you know, so this could be a really cool conversation. So anyway, um, that's what we're going to do next week. Um, are you ready to end this episode and put this in the can? Yeah, absolutely. We did start a new can at, tw- at episode 200. So, um, Oh, did we? <laughs> <laughs> um, at any rate, um, do us all a favor, everyone. Check out our website, top5report.com. They'll find uh, links to our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Either way works. You can hit us up on our uh, email, social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps um, us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be reminding you that dogs can't look up. Hello? <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I thought you said you, that, and I'm like, I thought what? <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. I don't know if I fully get that joke, but I'm, yeah. all right. Well, well it's, it's, a, it's a reference. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I'm drawing. <laughs> anyway. Um, I feel dumb now. All right. It's all good. It's, uh, it's, it's from Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, it's like, it's like the guy at the Winchester who always said that the gun above the bar was loaded. And, uh, that's like the joke is like, oh, he always said the gun was loaded up there. And then, uh, the other guy's like, yeah, but he also says that dog, dogs can't look up. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, 
Right. That scene. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I haven't seen that in a while. Um, all right. Well, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good night.